Welcome to the NBDA podcast, interviews with industry leaders and subject experts from across the business development world. Join us as we talk about real-world experiences, challenges, and opportunities that can take your career to the next level. The NBDA podcast is brought to you by your podcast team, where having your own podcast is as easy as being a guest on ours. Discover more at yourpodcast.team. Now here's your host, Dave Spray. Hi, this is David Spray, and welcome to another episode of the official podcast of the National Business Development Association. My guest today is Ashley Barhorst. Ashley's the Director of Sales for North Texas for Essential. She's also the Membership Development Director on the Board of Directors of NBDA. In this episode, we talked about Ashley's background, her role with Essential, and how she was, uh, quote-unquote, drafted to join the board of NBDA. Ashley also indicated that joining NBDA was one of the best business decisions that she's ever made. We had a nice conversation about her business development strategies, lessons she's learned, advice she'd give to a new person in a business development role. And we also talked about her time away from Texas, some of the things she missed most, and the answer to the big question of whether she would prefer a Texas hot summer or a cold Chicago winter. Finally, we wrapped up with a conversation around Tex-Mex and Whataburger and uh, some various aspects of both that we both appreciate and enjoy. Now, let's get to the episode. Hi, Ashley. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, David. Glad to be here. Yeah, me too. Me too. Well, let's get started. So, so just tell me about, about your current role and uh, you know, kind of what you do with, with Essential. Perfect. So I'm the director of sales for our North Texas region. So we've got an office in the DSW Metroplex. And my role is really to support our outside sales folks that cover this geography. And then I've got an inside sales team as well that that covers the entire state of Texas, as well as some outside of state opportunities. And then I've got a few sub teams under me that are you know, for new business develop that are a little new to our organization as far as, you know, quoting support and, and managing the account. Okay. And then I, I dabble in sales a little bit myself. Okay. Well, that sounds like that keeps, keeps you busy. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, now, family business, we all wear multiple hats. So Exactly. Now, I understand that, that you attended the second best university in the state of Texas. Is that correct? <laughs> oh, ouch. <laughs> so, yes, I, I did attend Texas A&M, a double glutton for punishment. I have my undergrad in industrial distribution, and then I also have my master's in industrial distribution from Texas A&M. Yeah. And of course, that was kind of a loaded question. In case it's not obvious, I went to <laughs> what you might call the second best university in Texas, the University right. of Texas. So yeah, anyway, I always like to have we fun We were the with original. That. That's all I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> There's always a fun little riv- rivalry there. You know, it's funny. Mm-hmm. I probably have more friends these days that are Aggies than I do that are Longhorns. So, you know, it's just one of those things. Yeah. So, so when you talk about Essential, how do you describe the firm? 
So the best way I think I can describe it is we are a full services, risk management, insurance, and financial services agency. Our goal, and it's our tagline from a marketing perspective, but it's very much our ultimate why is we want to provide trusted advice and peace of mind to our clients. You know, we really focus on educating our customers and prospective customers um, about their risk and then building a very customized solution to manage that risk. You know, we know historically in the insurance and financial services industry, it's a very order taker mentality Mm -hmm. of, Mm -hmm. you know, someone calls and says, I need homeowner's insurance, business insurance. You know, I need a 401k plan and someone just goes, okay, great. And starts peppering you with questions. But there's so many nuances to this industry and, and our goal is really to help a customer make a really informed decision and that they walk away from the interaction knowing exactly how an insurance policy would respond for them, exactly, you know, what the, the future would hold as far as their plan for how they're going to, you know, continue navigating their business, their personal life or their family. Mm-hmm. No, that's, thank you for that clarification. And by the way, my wife and I and our businesses have been clients of you all for a long Mm -hmm. time. So I can echo the sentiments. We do feel that we have a trusted advisor and you all do provide peace of mind. So, so Mm -hmm. thank you for that. So Sue, to just give you, give our listeners a sense of kind of the impact you all can make. Can you think of a client success story that maybe kind of summarizes some of the ways or a an example of how you provide peace of mind? And again, we don't have to mention them by name, you know, either mm-hmm. a, a company or a individual that maybe comes to mind, like on a project that you've worked on recently that comes to mind that kind of demonstrates the uniqueness of your firm? Yeah, um, I think... What always stands out the most to me, and and this is my goal in every interaction I have when I have my sales hat on, is when I finish that conversation with a client, the the best feedback I can get. And recently had one of these conversations, and it's that, you know, the fist in the air, yes, that was the ultimate win, is when the client says, thank you so much for explaining that to me. I don't think I've ever really understood what the insurance does. That to me is the ultimate epitome of what we do as an organization and what a client success looks like. And I've had some of those same clients call when they have a claim situation arise, right? They've had, we've had people whose whole houses have burnt to the ground. We've had people who are in, you know, pretty horrific car accidents, who've had, you know, lawsuits brought against them um, for something that someone's trying to, you know, hold them liable for. And the ultimate success kind of goes back to whenever we've had those conversations, we've really built a plan around what true risks they have that we can tell them, hey, we know you're covered. Everything's going to be okay. And and they can move on with their lives, right? That's the ultimate success is that a client then can it keep going, right? You've had a horrible mm-hmm. car accident. Your house is burnt down. Your business is being jeopardized. And we know the insurance is going to offer them the protection. We've we've filed the claim. We've managed it. We've taken that burden off of them. Now they can go focus on the next thing. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's really what you know the, the ultimate success story with a client looks like for us. Okay. Well, well, thank you for that. That is helpful. 
So since this podcast is the official podcast of the National Business Development Association, why don't we talk a bit about NBDA, okay? Mm-hmm. So how did you hear about NBDA? When did you get involved? And uh, what made you want to join the board? So I, I had heard about NBDA on and off for probably the last, gosh, three, four years. Our CEO is my father, like I said, family-owned business. And he's been a member of Vistage for quite a few years now. And, you know, worked with Christine Spray and your wife <laughs> and, uh-huh. uh, on, on, uh, with Vistage. She's the chair for his group. And whenever I joined the business, I was in another industry for eight years prior to coming over and you know, turning to the dark side to go to the uh, Sure. Um, you know, I was working with him on how do I get established? How do I build, you know, a network in a market that I'm, I was totally unfamiliar with. I had been operating primarily out of the Midwest for my okay. entire previous career and, you know, moved to Dallas to take over our operation up here and, you know, work pretty closely with our Houston location as well, but really didn't have an established network here. Mm-hmm. And so, so Warren connected me with Christine just to start talking about, you know, how I could really get integrated in the market. And of course, as she and I started talking we talked about NBDA. We talked about an opportunity to, to really, you know, focus on building a network through membership efforts on the board. And okay. um, so I think after one phone call with Christine, we had pretty much settled on the, the solution that I was going to join the board for membership development. And I was going to try to find some folks in the Dallas area to be a part of NBDA. And, you know, the rest has been history. It's been a little bit of a whirlwind year, but I think it was one of the best decisions I could have made to get myself established and to really, you know, get back into Texas with, mm-hmm. you know, and build that net, that network foundationally. Yeah. Christine, I don't know which is greater, her persuasiveness or her decisiveness. <laughs> and they're, they're very neck and neck for sure. <laughs> so, um, well, that's, yeah, so you were like thrown right into the fire. You didn't even have uh, time as just a, a regular old member before you were thrown to the board, right? Right, yeah. We. I think I, I paid for my membership, and then the next day had our first board meeting that I participated in. So Nice. Um, I, but, you know, we've been a longstanding sponsor of NBDA as an organization. We've had a few yes. of our, our sales agents really successfully participate in the organization. So it, it wasn't like walking in going, wow, I have no idea what I've just signed up for from that perspective. You know, I had a really, I think, strong understanding of what NBDA was really about and what the focus was. And it helped me, you know, go into it pretty, pretty confidently with Christine. If she thought it was the right path to, to have me on the board from the get go, then you know, I'm on board. Uh, got it. Understood. So <laughs> you'd mentioned that in hindsight, you thought it was a good decision to join NBDA, mm-hmm. NBDA and the board. Why do you say that? What are some of the, the benefits you've experienced from that association? I think the, the biggest is, you know, and inherently in the insurance and financial services space, we do a lot of 
inner industry networking. You know, we've got the Independent Association of Texas, Agents Association of Texas, and we've got some, you know, a lot of financial groups and agency groups that, you know, we do a lot of networking internal to ourselves, but it, it's really hard to branch out and, mm-hmm. and look outside of, you know, what we do every single day. And that's what I've loved most about NBDA is the exposure I've gotten to some other industries. You know, I, I deal with that with clients, but it's really nice to get to see how other folks are successfully cultivating opportunities, you know, building a network that may be a little outside of the normal scope of what we'd think of in the insurance and, and risk management world, but mm-hmm. it's very applicable for what we do every day. So it's, for me, it's been a great education in how others are successful doing it and then how we, you know, might replicate that in our world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there. I can appreciate you know being able to network with folks who are in other industries, you know, outside of insurance and financial services, and and kind of you know hear their take on things. Well, let's talk a bit about your business development. So I know you wear a lot of hats in your current role. What would be, you know, I guess kind of your ideal amount of business development that you would do in a week? Ideally, I'd love to spend, you know, three or four hours a week between events and more formal networking and development efforts. I probably spend a quarter to half my time every week on customer interaction mm-hmm. um, in a sales capacity. And I, I do consider that a form of, of networking and, and sure. pseudo business development, right? There's always an opportunity to be had whether you help that client or not. Um, but, you know, from a formal going out and participating in events, really looking for brand new business opportunities, I, I would love to get to dedicate, you know, three to five hours a week, I think would be, would be magical if I could hit that sweet spot. Okay. That, yeah, I, I, that, that sounds about right. Mm-hmm. What, when you think of, about business development, what have you found are, you know, are, are some best practices that you have found? Because obviously, if you're not, if you're spending, you know, a relatively small portion of your week in business development, you want it to be as effective and efficient as possible. So with that in mind, what are some of the kind of tricks you've learned through the years that you tried to keep in mind? I, I think the biggest for me is that in, in a lot of business development opportunities, the, the relationships get created not because we have a, a mutual bond over something business related. It is mm-hmm. usually because there's we found that deeper personal connection, and mm-hmm. that's where the best development opportunities really arise. You know, for, for me, when I try to go out and have, you know, make that really concerted effort to dedicate time to business development, my focus is on building a real, you know, deeper relationship. It's not, you know, coming in hot and going, hey, I sell insurance. What do you do? Right, right. And about making it all about business. I I think that's where, you know, if I'm going to dedicate the time, I want to be able to build a personal relationship with that individual and and really not focus on what's in it for both of us Mm -hmm. uh, that early on in the engagement, right? It it just, it feels very disingenuine sometimes when you come in and people are like, hey, let's talk about how we're going to work together. Mm-hmm. Versus let's, let's get to know each other and then we'll, you know, see, see if, if there's, if we've got a, a mutual 
opportunity down the line because you never know who you talk to either, right? You never want to assume just because somebody has a certain job title or they're in a certain industry or, you know, they do certain things that, that it's not an opportunity down the line, but you'll never know unless you establish that relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I agree. And so you talk about building deeper uh, relationships. There's some ways you do that. Uh, You'd mentioned trying to find commonality. Is Mm -hmm. that like prior research? Is that just kind of letting it organically emerge as you get to know somebody? Kind of what's your approach to you know, building that rapport and a deeper relationship? I think for me, it's been doing, making a concerted effort to go to, you know, networking events or or circling, going after business development opportunities where I know I inherently have a passion and, you know, other folks are there because they've got a passion as well. Like there's a local group that does wine up in the DFW area. I love wine. I'm by no means super educated on it, but I'm always happy to drink it and love trying it and talking about it. So that for me is a great opportunity. You know, I'm happy to go to an event on my personal time. I get to do something I enjoy and get to talk to folks who have that common interest. And it's a great starting point, right? It feels very organic to your point and a little less you know, focused on just what can we do for each other, but you know, what do we have in common? Mm-hmm. You know, that's a really interesting approach. It, it, that's uh, that makes perfect sense, but it's not something that is I've been talking to people for the podcast that I've really heard that answer much, but it makes a lot of sense. If you start with something that you have a genuine passion or interest in, and then you find events that's that serve that uh, revolve around that interest, then by definition, the other attendees, you're going to have commonality right from the get-go, right? Because mm-hmm. you can talk about this particular wine and what you like about it and you don't. And you know, what are some of your favorite wines? And you know, have you been to any vineyards? And do you have any vineyard trips scheduled? So yeah, that really makes a lot of sense. Are there other kind of groups that you visit based on just kind of a personal interest or groups you're a part of? Or or is it just wine, you know, (laughs) 24-7? Right. I mean, I I think NBDA falls in that category for me because everybody who's a part of NBDA has a passion for people. Mm -hmm. And inherently, I'm in a people industry. I can't do my job without really getting to know the person. And... NBDA is full of people that are passionate about people, how to connect mm-hmm. with people, how to find the right kind of person, how to you know connect others in their network to the right people. And that's why I love it from an education perspective, right? We, I really see it as I'm in the room full of professionals that do this every single day. What can I you know, steal with pride and apply? But I'm, you know, we've got, there's a young profession membership in the, in the state of Texas that I participate in, you know, Mm -hmm. I think it's a lot of transplants that have come into either new industries or are new to the state. And, you know, for me, that speaks very close to home, you know, picking up and moving across the country was, you know, after an almost 10 year career in another industry, nice to, you know, find that commonality with a lot of folks. And then I'm in a couple of book clubs as well, because I'm my very favorite thing to do if I'm not drinking wine on a Saturday is curled up with rumor has it you can actually do both (laughs) you know that that's that's the perfect saturday that's the ultimate saturday for sure (laughs) yeah no that's great well 
And that kind of dovetails to my next question. How do you, how do you recharge and, and stay focused on your, uh, your business development goals and just your career goals? Is it as simple as a book and a glass of wine or are there other ways you recharge? So I, I think for me, the, the biggest recharge I get is actually when I have those really fulfilling client interactions mm-hmm. um, where you know someone tells me, hey, thank you so much. This makes so much more sense now, or thank you so much. I, I know this is going to get taken care of when they have a claim. Or when I, I kind of see that light bulb go off for my own sales folk, when it really hits home and they go, oh, I get it now. As bad as that is, that's the ultimate recharge. I, I know I'm a workaholic. I think, again, family business, you, you have to be really engaged and give it your all, right? And the wine and, and the book on Saturday is, is always welcome. But I think those little wins, throughout the week, throughout the day, that's what really keeps me going. That's what gets me out of bed every day going, okay, what amazing thing is going to happen today because we've taken care of it because I've got someone who's really gotten it and it really clicks. That, mm-hmm. that, those, those are the biggest way I, that's how I keep going and stay, stay charged. So now I'm starting to see why you and Christine hit it off so well. I thought Christine was the only person I know who recharges by talking to clients. So apparently I'm going to have to keep the two of you uh, apart more often, although not sure how I'm going to do that since uh, I have zero influence or control over Christine. So I feel like that's like just, that's just marriage, right? Is that just kind of how it goes? But yeah, no, Christine is, you know, I've had the really fortunate opportunity for her, for her to be a mentor through the NBDA mentor program. And it is, you know, I, I thought I was high energy, super calendared, you know, really on it, engaged, you know, my hands in a million pies. And then I work with Christine and I'm like, man, that's the epitome. How do I get to that point? Because it, it is just so impressive. The, the way she manages it all. And, but, and it's been great because I was like, as I interact with her, great or bad, I'm like, man, if she can do it, I can do it. I got this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Another workaholic has been, it sounds like it was already there, but another workaholic's been encouraged. But, you know, it's funny. I, I give, she, she certainly works more than I do. And I give her sometimes a bit of a hard time about it, but not really because at the end of the day, what drives her are serving people, you know, helping them with her area of expertise. And so, you know, it's, if you're going to work a lot, you know, that's a good, uh, you know, to me, that's probably the most uh, admirable way to spend your time and be motivated is, you know, to be out there trying to help folks. Absolutely. And she definitely demonstrates that. So what do you wish you knew like coming out of college about sales and business development that you know now? Oh, I think if if I had to, you know, go back in time and tell myself something, it would be that to really just step back and enjoy it, that, you know, working hard is very important. And, but when it comes to business development, when it comes to establishing relationships with people, it's got to be about the people. You know, I think very early on in my career, I was, you know, I had work Ashley and play Ashley that were very opposing personalities in a lot of cases. And, you know, as I got a little more settled in my career and I got to do, you know, more entertaining with clients and engagement, I was regularly being told, you know, wow, you're actually fun. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, that to me was 
has been the kind of perpetual wake up call that, you know, that you should enjoy it. If you get to have the opportunity to work in a role where you work with people, you focus on business development to make it about the people and, and be who you are pretty genuinely. And that's what people are drawn to. Mm-hmm. No, I would agree. If you were talking to somebody who was right out of college, let's say, or had been out of college five years and was wanting to make a shift into business development or a sales role, what advice might you you give them if if they're uh, kind of starting off in a BD role? I, I think, and this is you know a conversation I have with my new hires pretty regularly. It's going to be tough. There's going to be days where it absolutely sucks to be in sales. Um, mm. You know, you have people tell you no. You have deals go wrong. You have you think you've got everything on the right path and then it falls apart. So being able to, to kind of pick yourself back up and have that resiliency, recognizing that it, it's not personal, it's not you. And if you can get your mind in the right place to say, okay, you know, that's just one on to the next one. Mm-hmm. Um, then if, if you can get to that point, then you're going to be in great shape, but you've, got to be able to have that internal resiliency to kind of pull yourself up and go try again. Otherwise, it can be a really rough place to be. Sure. I find the older I get, I find that resiliency might be the most valuable trait a person could have. Because if you're resilient, you can sort of overcome just about anything. And if you have very low resiliency, you know, it seems like it'd be hard to accomplish much at all. Absolutely. I mean, we talk about, you know, the old adage, the only constant is change mm-hmm. you know, for for people with that, that in, inherent resiliency, or they've spent a lot of time practicing resiliency, because I, I do think it is something you can develop. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they're the people that can roll with it, right? They, you know, okay, something's changing, off we go. Let's, I can about face and, and try that too. And they don't let it phase them. And I think that you know, for someone getting started, it is really easy to just get completely beat down by the nose and by the you're too youngs and, you know, mm-hmm. you can't really help me, you know, versus if you've got that resiliency, if you can hang in there through that tough, hard time, it, it will get better and it gets better because you were able to, to hang in. There's nothing that anyone can throw at you that you can't handle. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Well, I can't believe how the time has flown by. I've got just a couple more questions. What, just kind of going back to the board, what do you appreciate most about being on the board? I think the biggest appreciation I've gotten has been the exposure to the other board members, you know, folks that on a day-to-day basis, I wouldn't really have interaction with, Mm -hmm. Um, understanding, you know, where they come from, how their industries work and, you know, how they've successfully built their careers in business development. You know, I'm in awe and in a lot of ways about some of the folks who've got on the board and what they've accomplished and, you know, watching them at the events and and how they maneuver and make it work is just, it's, you know, it's it's my, Christine and the whole board are like my, okay, this is what I want to be when I grow up. And it's just, you know, it's been great for me to get you know, to get to see them in action and then get to have those kind of behind the scenes conversations of, you know, hey, you, you mentioned this, how did you do it? 
Mm-hmm. How, how, how have you gotten to that, you know, that point from point A to point Z? How did you get there? And, you know, it's just, it's pretty invaluable to get the opportunity to work with those folks. And then just to be an advocate for the organization, mm-hmm. you know, nothing better than at an event when someone comes and asks me a question about the, the organization and how they get involved. You know, I'm, all, I'm always happy to be an evangelist and say, you know, it's great and you should join. And here's, you know, the 50 million reasons why. That's awesome. Well, I'm down to just my last few questions. <clears throat> so the first is, what, which would you rather put up with, a really hot Texas summer or a really cold Chicago winter? Ooh, Chicago winter. No question. I, you can <laughs> always wear scarves, jackets, gloves. There is nothing worse than having to be in like full dress clothes and just sweating. It's just terrible. <laughs> sure. So the, so the, the native Texan was able to adjust to the Chicago winters uh, reasonably well, it sounds like. Oh, yeah. The blood thickened up a lot. I think <laughs> the, the day I moved in... I moved in February, which was just stupid, but um, <laughs> I opened my car, I opened the car door, got right, you know, stood out, got right back in, looked at my mom and I'm like, I don't think I can do this. It was <laughs> negative 13 with the wind chill that day. It's crazy. I'm from the Midwest originally, and I maybe because I spent more time there as a kid and was more traumatized, my saying is the worst Texas summer is still better than the best Northern winter. But, but that was from my perspective of, you know, spending the first 13 years of my life there. One of the other benefits that you probably did enjoy is, you know, there's a whole part of a person's wardrobe that, that a Texan either doesn't possess or they rarely get to wear. Right. So you, I'm guessing you got to enjoy, you got to enjoy more sweater wearing up there, I guess. Oh, for sure. And that every time we've had our like baby cold front down here, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm busting out the sweaters, the coats, the boots, and everybody at the office is like, okay, wait a minute. I'm pretty sure you wear the same like five outfits all summer long. How do you have this many winter clothes? <laughs> it's like eight years of accumulation in Chicago winters. What are you going to do? <laughs> I, I got to use my chances while I can. Sure, sure. What did you miss most about Texas during your t- your time away? Oh, okay. The the obvious answer is my family. Okay, mm-hmm. but the the less obvious answer is the food. That's the answer my my family knows deep down in their hearts was true. Every time I come home, I'm like, okay, Tex-Mex, Whataburger, Kolaches have to occur while I'm here. Um, sure. So that those were the the critical needs every time I came home. Yep, I can I can understand, and those are my those are three of my favorites as well. What did you think of the the barbecue in the Midwest compared to Texas barbecue? Pretty disappointing. <laughs> okay, you know, it it's like anything else. You know, you grow up with like I think, and and Texas is probably a great answer, like example of it. Everybody's got their like favorite Mexican restaurant mm-hmm. where they grew up or where they live. And when you go to even a slightly different part of town, like it's not the same. Right. Um, and, and I would even say like between Dallas and Houston, the Tex-Mex is different, which is just ridiculous. But um, Wow, that is know, quite a Tex-Mex connoisseur. I mean, you're, <laughs> I mean, you're like a, a person who specializes in language. You know, it's like you not only understand and have the uh, 
discernment for the difference between tech or Dallas and Houston Tex-Mex, but you can tell like zip code difference, like within <laughs> Houston. I mean, I must say that's, that's pretty impressive, Ashley. It's yeah, the local dialects that I can discern between, but yeah, it's, it, it's one of those things that, you know, I think you get so familiar with like your homegrown one that as soon as you have the other one, you're like, this isn't quite, yeah, this mm-hmm. is good but it's not quite what I was expecting. And yeah, it's my, my family also knows when I go back to Houston, when I'm, you know, I work down there probably a week of every month. I'm always like, can we go get Tex-Mex from this one place, please? Do you have a favorite Tex-Mex place in Houston? Oh, so Escalante's is my preferred, our favorite hole in the wall from my childhood Um, has a new owner and the food is just not the same. Mm. So, but Escalante's is consistent and delicious and oh my gosh, white queso. Yeah. So did you, did you frequent that location there at uh, Voss and Woodway? Is that one of your go-to locations? So we would always go to the one um, in the old town and country. Oh, okay. Cause that was, you know, maybe 10 minutes from the house, but yeah, the, uh, my my sister is my go-to. Anytime I come to Houston, I'm like, can we go to Escalante's for dinner <laughs> or something? Yeah. That is awesome. Oh. And what's your favorite go-to at Whataburger? Oh, man. Breakfast or regular? Let's do like both. Lunch. And and I'll you go first and I'll tell you my, my favorite. Okay. I think that's a good deal. The, the potato breakfast is unmatched. And I will fight anybody who says the honey butter chicken biscuit is better. Interesting. So I, I never eat no but I never get I never get anything that's Tex Mex like at Whataburger because mm-hmm. so I'm a stickler for freshly made on site made tortillas. Oh yeah. And so, you know, knowing when I go into Whataburger that you know that they just don't have that capability right. makes me kind of drift away. My go to for breakfast there are the jalapeno cheddar biscuit with sausage and egg. But no cheese. I leave off the cheese. But I must say, I've come to really appreciate their pancakes. I mean, I put their pancakes up with most any pancake house. They're um, they are they are are solid. And then their patty sausage has got a definite spicy kick to it that more than you'd expect, kind of from the average bland uh, sausage. Okay, how about? I do agree. Go ahead. Yeah, they've got the, from the breakfast perspective, Whataburger is pretty tough to beat. There, it's it's not there's not a bad thing really on the menu. It's mm-hmm. all amazing. Have you been to the Whataburger store online? I have not. Oh, you so for Valentine's Day, which also happens to be our anniversary of our engagement, bought a. They had all that a whole section of stuff just for people like getting married, mm-hmm. and so they had a what a bride and a what a groom shirt. The, the oh. bride's was white, the groom's was black. So I bought one of those for us to to wear. But they have, I would recommend it if you're a Whataburger fan. They have an enormous selection of stuff, and the other cool thing they have is you know the little plastic numbers for your order. The little tent top things, I have definitely stolen a few of those in my day. Yeah. <laughs> well, they actually <laughs> the with our t shirt order, they sent two of those along that are look just like it, except they say just married. Oh. So, so if you have someone who's uh, who's getting married, who's a Whataburger fan, you might find that might be a way to find something unique for them that they may not have uh, 
received <laughs> elsewhere. Oh, okay, I love so, it. That's, we, we do have a few weddings coming up this summer. So now I've got a plan. I'm going to have to figure out who likes Whataburger the most. <laughs> th- there you go. And then what about like lunch or dinner? What about during the, I mean, you'll know what this means. What do you eat at Whataburger between 11 a.m. and 11 p.m.? Exactly. Yeah. The uh, it, It's a tie between the chicken strip basket because mm-hmm. gravy and Texas toast, like, mm-hmm. come on. and. I'm, you know, I'm not a huge person, so I I can't eat the full-size burger, but I get the Whataburger Junior. Oh, nice. I get the Junior one, and I just have them give me bigger fries and a bigger drink, but the Junior-size sandwich is perfect. That's awesome. If I'm going, my go-to, if I'm just feeling very gluttonous, would be the Whataburger meal, no pickles, add grilled jalapenos, not the, I used to just use the raw ones, but they kind of overpower it. So I, I now grill it to take some heat away. And then I go with the onion rings and the spicy ketchup. Oh, Do you know they have yeah. two types of spicy ketchup now? Yes. And it's yeah. just insane that we've gotten to that point, but like, I'm all for it. Keep going. <laughs> what, what else are we going to come up with? Yeah. And then I got so excited when I was at the HEB and I saw the Whataburger spicy ketchup at the HEB. So I have a big bottle of that in the house. Uh, We've got the the Whataburger ketchup, but we were finally getting an HEB up here mm -hmm. later this year, which I feel like false advertising on my family's part when they were like, you know, come back, be a part of the business. It'll be great. You can be back in Texas. No one told me HEBs didn't exist in the dfw area uh, yeah they started out in corpus they start yep they started in corpus in san antonio yeah i mean way so up. i assumed they were everywhere well you know come to find out my sister interned at h-e-b one summer this is like walmart's dirt up here and mm-hmm. they have like a a silent agreement not to come invade this space but apparently the you know the the white flags went up and now two locations are being built in 2022. So that's awesome. Here soon. I've already, I've already warned fix. the boyfriend. We're driving like 30, 45 minutes just to get <laughs> <ancient> groceries. <laughs> Be prepared. That, that is awesome. And you know what I sometimes do when I go to Whataburger, if I feel like I'm wanting to have a little lighter meal, and this may seem counterintuitive, and I haven't done the math, but I think it's right is I'll get my Whataburger, but instead of getting a meal with the French fries and the onion rings, I'll get a the smallest chocolate malt they make. It's like a yes. side. So I'll get that with the Whataburger. And I think it's actually you know a little less calories, but because of all the fat and the malt, it leaves you very satisfied. And so that's kind of my other go-to, the other kind of trick from the Whataburger. So next time Christine and I have a late night Meet up. I will make sure I send her home with a small chocolate malt as a, as an, I'm sorry for, for keeping her out while we're you going down the rabbit hole. For awesome. Awesome. Well, I would appreciate that. <laughs> well, Hey, was there anything else that uh, you want to add or anything I didn't ask you about? No, I mean, this is great. Really happy for the opportunity to, you know, get to talk more about, you know, what we do at essential, but also to, to share more about NBDA and, you know, hopefully this encouraged a few more folks to, to sign up and come see what it's all about. 
I, I think you've accomplished your objective. So this was really fun, Ashley. I enjoyed it. And I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to talk to me. No, happy to do it. Thank you so much for, for asking. This has been awesome. Hey, my pleasure. Have a great day. And there we have it. Another great episode. Don't forget to check out the show notes at podcast.nbda.co. And you can find out more about being a member of the National Business Development Association at nbda.co. That's it for this episode. Have a great week and we'll talk to you next time.